Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And today I have with me two special guests. And wait till I tell you what we've got on tap. I'm so stoked for this show. I have with me Chef Aurora Sattler and also uh, Allison Childress. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. You should all be sitting on the edge of your chair because this is so exciting. These women have, I, I think, just done an amazing job of collaborating. Aurora is a chef, and Allison is a dietitian, and they have combined forces, collaborated to write this new book, which has gotten really good reviews, called The Ultimate New Mom's Cookbook a complete food and nutrition resource for expectant mothers, babies, and toddlers. So I'm not going to tell you about the book. I'm going to let you listen to what they have to say, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them. Dr. Allison Childress is Ph.D., RDN, CSSD, and LD. She is a registered, licensed dietitian. She is board certified in sports dietetics. She has worked as a clinical and outpatient dietitian specializing in cardiac, pediatric, geriatric, and sports nutrition, as well as weight management counseling. She is currently an assistant professor in the Department of Nutrition Sciences at Texas Tech University, where she is the chief clinical dietitian of the Nutrition and Metabolic Health Initiative. So, Allison, uh, once again, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to to be here. Well, let me tell you about her co-author. It is Chef Aurora Sattler. And uh, she is the uh, first author, actually, of this new book, And her work focuses on nutrition from a mother's pregnancy through her child's toddler years, and she has set the foundation for healthy and adventurous eating. And before she wrote this book, Aurora worked as the creative director for Many Kitchens, an e-commerce site devoted to promoting the best small batch food throughout the nation. She styled the company's cookbook, Recipes from Many Kitchen, which was published in 2016. And before that, she owned her own catering company and wrote for Chili Pepper Magazine. She's a graduate of NYU and the Institute of Culinary Education. Aurora is also the proud mother of two children, and she's an urban gardener and a photographer that lives in New York City with her family. So I'm really stoked about this uh, cookbook, and I think Aurora, I want to start with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, first of all, why did you 
create a cookbook that combines prenatal nutrition with introducing solids? Why didn't you just focus on one or the other? So I created the inspiration for this cookbook was I was a mother myself. I was working in the food industry. And when I had my son, I kind of just felt that it was so overwhelming. Everything was so overwhelming. You want to do what's best for your child and really offer up the absolute best of everything for them. But in the process, a lot of times you can feel like you're starving yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I was so hungry, even though I was working around food all the time, that I thought that there has to be a more seamless way of feeding everyone so that you're not just focused only on purees or only on a young infant child, but you're really feeding the entire family because everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to be nourished to really make the family run and go smoothly and to give really the child what's best because an exhausted mom, an exhausted parent can't really offer them the best that they can, (laughs) that they can. You need to be nourished yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you have talked about the best, but I'm going to boot this next one to Dr. Childress. And that is, yeah, best is best. I'm good with that. But how do you get your children to eat more healthy foods? That's a question that I get a lot and and such a great question. (laughs) (laughs) And there are actually a lot of ways that we can do that. You know, if you have an older child, involving them in food selection is really helpful. And it doesn't mean you ask your child, what would you like for lunch? It means you say, would you like to have carrots or green beans? So you uh-huh. offer two healthy choices, but let them choose. And they, when they get that choice, they have a lot more buy-in in what they're eating. Um, and, and, you know, as age progresses, they can help in meal prep. They can help choose things at the grocery store. I think another thing that parents can do is make food attractive. We all mm. eat with our eyes first. Yep. And so yep. when something looks fun or looks attractive, they're a lot more likely to eat it. So making trees out of broccoli or making faces on, you know, a, a sweet potato or a piece of toast is, is really a great way to get kids more interested. And then I think the biggest thing we can do as parents is eat healthy foods ourselves because ourselves. our children will mimic our behaviors. And so, you know, a lot of times I see, I have parents tell me, well, I want my kid to eat healthy, but I don't want to have to eat that stuff. And that sends the wrong message. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you and know, I've often, I've often thought that that's just part and parcel of parenting. You have to watch your language and everything else because exactly. kids mimic, exactly. they mimic what you do for the better so or the worse. Everything you do, especially now that I have two kids, I'm noticing they even, they pick up from each other too. So it's just this, <laughs> you have to be on the ball with them, making sure that they're picking sure. up the right things. And I think, too, uh, you know, uh, patience, patience is a big thing. You know, research shows us that it takes sometimes eight to ten times of being exposed to a certain food for us to start to like it. So many times we give up. We, we give our child a healthy food and they say, no, I don't like it, and we never offer it again. So just continuing to offer it is a good strategy, too. Yeah, I want to go back to that eight to ten times. That's right. Yes, that's what we. That's what research has shown us. So a lot, a lot of times, and you know, I think even us as adults could take this as, as you know, maybe something yeah. that we can even try. Well, I'm just thinking that when a kid spits something out, what is my reaction? I'm more likely to say, "Oops, well, he doesn't like that," and I might try it again. I might even try it again tomorrow. But I don't know that I've ever made a concerted effort to try eight to ten times. Yes, and you're eight saying to 10. yes, there. 
really can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to interject here just real quick. I think sure. that Allison, what she's saying is really, really important because the time that we're covering, you have to remember everything else that's going on with the child at this time. So uh-huh. you're introducing solids as they're getting sure. their teeth for the first time, some of them. And as they're progressing, like they're learning to walk. I mean, these are just such huge developmental milestones in that first time when you're introducing these new foods. So there's a lot of other things that influence to how a child reacts to a meal that you really need to offer it up multiple times. Because maybe they don't like it the first time because they were sleepy the first mm. time you fed it. Or you're oh, adding sure. a meal. Sure. Or they're chewing, they're cutting a tooth, and they really just don't want to have anything in their mouth. So you're saying that some of it is, I I hate to say moodiness, but maybe the context. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's um, preferential. I think sometimes, Uh too, these are very young children. Um, If you're talking about introducing foods, introducing a food for the first time. Now, the cookbook, it covers from really those early, early eaters through um, advanced meals, um, once a child really is able to eat at the table with the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. So I can I think that the question speaks to two different ages differently, slightly. An older child might really tell you, you know, no, I don't like that, or push something aside, or, you know, be a lot more demonstrative of their feelings. Whereas sure. a younger child, you know, <laughs> things might be flying around anyway. They I might love talk- it. They might be I- everywhere. I want to talk a little bit more about vegetables because mm-hmm. – um, I was always a very good little vegetable eater. I think that uh, the rest of my family was as well. But even so, even in my immediate family, I'm thinking, my sister told me just a while ago, no, no, thank you. No, I don't like Brussels sprouts. And I said, would you just try them the way I fixed them tonight? Do you think that fixing vegetables in a different way can change the baby's mind? Uh, Allison, do you want to feel this one or me? I'm happy to... I mean, I think we both probably will have a similar answer, but I I think, yes, you are absolutely correct. And, you know, even I think sometimes, too, we get hung up on, oh, well, I don't want them to to dip in ketchup or I don't want them to dip in some other condiment. And, you know, that can help, too. And so, you know, if if it's the we get a little bit of ketchup, but we get the Brussels sprouts with it, then I'll take that any day. Absolutely. As far as Brussels sprouts, I have to laugh because I remember as a child, I actually remember my mom used to boil them. And I can't uh-huh. think of a less appetizing way to have them. I, mean, <laughs> I agree. I roast and caramelize mine. I mean, there's so yeah. many more delicious ways to prepare them, but that's just, you know, how she was raised to do. Um, but also, I think for the for the book and for the purposes of the recipes that we chose, we really did try to choose the best recipes. So there's some sneaky ones that um, <laughs> teach you how to hide vegetables, you know, for the kids uh-huh. that might be kind of picking through or picking around. And there's also ones that are just, I mean, absolutely seamless. I mean, my son, I originated this cookbook with him, and he just turned four years old. So he's in, New York does pre-K at that age, and he's now surrounded by other kids, and I'm not there to supervise meals. So it's a very interesting new dynamic as I'm watching him. You know, the pickiness is coming up again. But I can go back to the book, and I'm like, yes, we did it. Allison, I did it. Because yes. there's certain ones that I'm like, I don't care if he can spot green in anything. Like, <laughs> he'll drink our green smoothie and he will love it and okay. love it. And it, that's coming now from a school where, like, kids will, you know, tell them, oh, yucky or something if they're pickier eaters. So, so your, your child has uh, blessed and approved this book for sure. 
Yeah. But it's, it's also just, um, you know, a kid might love something one day and not like it the next day. You know, it's, I think it's really, really important to keep variety. And that's why when we whittled down these recipes, it had to be just really a full range of meals. I mean, this is, this is a bank for new parents, um, for parents starting out. And also for parents who have kids who are in a meal rut, we all get there where you're stuck and just want a little bit of inspiration or something new to present. I want to ask more about vegetables. I have heard for years parents say that you should always introduce, okay, so the baby's six months old, you're starting to give him some table food, and I have heard parents say that you should always offer the vegetables before the fruits. Is there any nutritional or aesthetic value to that suggestion? This is such a good question because, we, you're, you know, even as a dietitian, you know, years ago, I taught that. You know, I said, yes, you want to you inv- uh, do vegetables first because once they get a taste of that sweet fruit, they may not yep. like the vegetables as much. But what we know now is that's not necessarily the case. So I just encourage parents to start wherever they feel like they want to start. There's really not, you know, scientifically, there's really not a, a preference for vegetables over fruits as far as starting those. Okay. And Aurora, anything that you want to add there? I would say just that there's some naturally, I think naturally sweet. I mean, I just have to say, Allison really added to this book because every chapter, I mean, it's funny because the things that you're asking, the questions you're asking are answered in the book. A lot of what she added was, yeah. So it's amazing because we have um, just basically like read at a glance information for every age group of like common questions, ways to, that parents can just kind of reference and know like, what are we going to deal with here? Sure. But back to vegetables, I think that there's some things that are more appetizing initially right off the bat. Um, as far as vegetables like sweet peas, once they're um, once you the husk is milled in and it's it doesn't come off that the husk is harsh if it's smooth enough, I think that one's a really easy sell. But things sure. like kale or um, you know just like starchier greens, I think sometimes they're much better if they are blended in with a fruit something okay you know right. so it's we'll like a lot it. of times you'll see like pear and kale together right because there's certain right. common i mean adults have it too sure. the combinations that you should see for a child shouldn't be so crazy that you're like does that really taste good together you just have to think about <laughs> foods that you'd pair together you know the idea is that you're getting your child introduced to the meals to the flavors that you're going to be enjoying as a family later down the line Totally agree. Hey, everybody, don't go away because I'm Marie Biancuzzo and I will be back with dietitian Allison Childress and also chef Aurora Sattler. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you. And so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with Allison Childress and also Aurora Sattler, and they are here talking to us about food as related to pregnancy and uh, lactation and young child nutrition. They are the co-authors of The Ultimate New Mom's Cookbook. And I just want to say before we get going too far here, you know, this is the first of the year and I don't know about you, but pretty much everybody I know, including myself, you know, we we go into the new year with these expectations about losing weight. Uh, I always like to say I've been trying to lose weight, but it keeps finding me. So I want to jump to talking about a weight loss plan while you're breastfeeding. Dr. Childress, I want to... uh, boot this one to you. What do you tell breastfeeding mothers about a weight loss plan? Because I've got this question coming at me about 500 times a minute with (laughs) uh, postpartum women, who, especially those who are breastfeeding. And I don't feel like an expert on this, but we are all going to hear what Dr. Childress thinks because she actually knows this. So what about it? Yes, I, I think many moms are ready to get their body back after sharing it with yep. someone for nine months or sometimes even a couple weeks more than that. And so, you know, they're very eager to start weight loss. So the good news is if they actually follow the DRIs, if they actually follow, you know, recommendations as far as calories, protein, fat, and carbohydrates that you can find on myplate.gov, 
there's actually sort of a built-in um, weight loss. They, those DRIs are currently written assuming a weight loss of about two pounds per month, which during breastfeeding is about right because if we reduce our calories too much, we are likely to have a reduction in milk supply and milk quality. That magic number seems to hang out around 1,500 calories or so. Once we go much lower than that, we can see an effect on our, our milk supply. So let me ask you this. How soon do you recommend that they start a weight loss? Well, how... I guess it's really the in the other direction. When is it too soon to start a weight loss plan? Well, if, if you know if they're following current DRIs, they can start you know immediately. If they're really looking for you know maybe a more strict or a more aggressive weight loss plan, waiting past about that six or eight month mark um, of of the baby's age is better. Um, they're consuming more solids, getting more nutrition from solid foods at that time, and so even if supply dwindles a bit, it's not as detrimental to baby's health at that point. Sure. And I believe that that, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that is myplate.gov, right? That's, that's correct, yes. And and, and uh, for those who might not be familiar, and remember, we are airing in 65 different countries, tell us what DRIs are. So those are, are um, recommended intakes, daily recommended intakes. So, um, mm-hmm. And those can be for vitamins and minerals as well as calories, carbohydrates, fat, and pro- uh, protein. Okay. Um, Chef Sattler, tell us a little bit about baby led weaning because we have talked in several different shows about baby led weaning, uh, but specifically, how does your book speak to baby led weaning? So that's a great question. Um, Baby led weaning is very popular right now. Um, When we created the book, it's not a direct baby weaning cookbook, but the amazing thing about the cookbook is it's scheduled chronologically. So, and I guess the case in point, my children are a perfect example for this. My son was perfectly content with purees. My daughter wanted solid food right away. Uh So not every child is the same. There's no strict schedule that one child, you know, you have to start and this is the window for purees. This is the window for solid foods. What we tried to do was give families just a wonderful introduction to how you prepare these things We had to whittle down to the best recipes for all of these chapters. So even with purees, there's hundreds and thousands of puree recipes I could have given, but I wanted to show techniques on the best ways of cooking things, you know, to maximize flavor, to maximize nutrition, and also to give a full palette um, of different flavors for children to choose from. So really, say you want to do baby-led weaning, you just skip past purees to the chapter on finger foods. You can cook around this cookbook to the best of where your child, you say, okay, well, we skipped purees and now we're moving closer to family meals because in each family meal chapter, we'll tell you how to take a meal and kind of reduce its parts. So you're making the same meal for the family, but this is how you serve it to a younger child. Okay. I can't immediately put my eyeball on this, but I know that in uh, two places you mentioned guacamole. Yeah. And I'm thinking that the guacamole is made with the avocado. I know that avocado is highly, from a nutritional standpoint, very beneficial. But I also know that I love guacamole or uh avocado on just about anything, but I would like each of you to address this, please. From a nutritional standpoint, uh, Allison, how would you describe the benefits of the avocado? 
Oh my gosh, I love avocados. In in my opinion, they're almost superfoods. Ah, <laughs> so ah. I I think. I think the best food for babies or the best component for babies in the avocado are the healthy fats, the monounsaturated fats. We need, yeah. as, as infants, we need those fats for brain development. We need them for eye development. And so many times in, in a lot of baby foods, you know, that you might buy commercially in the store, there's no fats in those. They're just single ingredient right. foods. And the great yeah. thing about this right. cookbook is that we incorporate healthy fats into the diet of not only, you know, infants, but toddlers and the pregnant or breastfeeding mother as well. And uh, Aurora, from your standpoint, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think that this is something that is appealing to most children, the avocado or guacamole? I think, I mean, I know one person in my life, um, my adult life, who doesn't like avocado. (laughs) And I still think she's crazy. Uh But um, I think it's just, it's so creamy. It's rich. It's full of flavor and you can work it a million different ways. Um, You can, you can work it back into even a smoothie so you can put it down the sweeter line. You can make it more savory. It's a sauce. It's a condiment. It's a dipper. Um, It's just very, very appealing to kids. And I actually, since your show's all about debunking myths, it was funny. One of my first questions to Allison when we set out to write this, I always had been told by so many people that when you're breastfeeding, you have to keep your diet very bland. Oh, and no, no, I know <laughs> that, that it's still out there. I mean, it's oh, still definitely. Out there. so I had yep. to ask her, you know, when I'm developing recipes and we have a whole chapter on breastfeeding meals and one of the meals is guacamole. Um, and I was like, do I have to dial back? I'm like, as a chef, I really want to offer something that's delicious, something that's like packed with um, flavor and good for you. But do I have to dial back on, you know, like strong tastes or anything. And Allison just, um, I thought she really just debunked a myth for me and really got me in the right direction when I was even picking and choosing which recipes to include. Okay. Which is why you're such a great team. Uh, well, probably some other reasons as well. But yeah, I, I just think that it's a great food. I do want to caution that some kids have an allergy to uh avocados. And in fact, I'm just about to go and teach my comprehensive lactation course, uh, which by the way, there's still time to register if anybody's interested. Uh, And I've got this great photo of this kid that has this allergy to the avocados. But I would also say to parents, remember, any kid can have an, any adult, any, anybody can have Uh, an allergy to any food that doesn't mean that they're going to have it forever some kids outgrow many kids outgrow their allergies so just keep that in mind and actually I want to go back to the part about the the spicy foods I just got this uh, call from a mother I would say last week she says my milk smells really funny and so my first question is what kind of funny does it smell and then, you know, I kind of knew where I was going to go with that. And as she was trying to pick a word, and she really couldn't pick the right word, I said, okay, let me ask. Did you eat something Mexican? <laughs> she said, oh, yes, I just had, uh, I can't remember what it was. And I said, well, that's probably the the reason that your milk smells the way it does because that's the way the food smells and she said okay well no more of that for me and I said oh no 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 wait a minute some kids really like that they really enjoy that really bold taste Mm -hmm. so I would say no it does not have to be but this really brings me to another great question that I think is just a 
we probably could spend the whole show on this. I'm sorry. I, maybe I need to bring you back for this one. But uh, can you, either or both of you, address the idea of foods to avoid? Because I get this a lot from mothers. Oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I can't eat the other thing. Now, wait a minute. Can you really not eat it? Or did somebody just tell you not to eat it? So uh, maybe, Dr. Childress, maybe you want to address that first. Yeah, this was this was a question that Aurora had also, and, and that I think a lot of people have. You know, when when they're lactating, are there any foods they're not supposed to eat? And right. so, actually, the the food restrictions when lactating are a lot less than when you're pregnant. So, right. you know, when we're pregnant, we have to be careful of soft cheese and you know lunch meats that aren't heated to steaming and unpasteurized dairy and juice and all of those sorts of things. With lactation, we really don't have those restrictions. The only thing we really want to be careful of is just trying to limit our chances of getting any type of foodborne illness. So just making sure food is cooked to proper temperature, making sure we use good hygiene. And other than that, um, there's really nothing that's not safe to eat during breastfeeding. Two questions for you, uh, one at a time, please. First of all, I wish I had a nickel for every woman who has asked me if it's okay to eat some cruciferous vegetable, for example, uh, broccoli, uh, cauliflower, etc. I think I know the literature on this, but I'd be interested in your take. I'm going to drop that to Allison. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. as far as cruciferous vegetables go, I think that, you know, the biggest thing you have to worry about in lactation is th- those are foods that can change the flavor of your milk. Um, as far as, you know, safety or nutrient profile, they're only going to enhance the nutrient profile of your milk. But they definitely can change that, that um, flavor, which, which, like you mentioned, some babies really like that. But do you think it makes the babies gassy? That's what I was going to add on because I asked about <laughs> you, Allison. And I, people told me that. It was just um, absolutely for like broccoli and everything. Go so most of the, most of the um, I, I guess, answers we get to that are anecdotal. You know, moms will swear too. you know, whenever I eat this food, my baby gets gassy. When really, truly, the nutrient profile of our milk changes very, very little. Um, whenever, uh, considering what we eat. So I usually tell parents, you know, if baby's gassy, it probably didn't have anything to do with what you ate, but maybe something else in that child's environment that day. Okay. I, I would, I think that's a very reasonable answer. Hey, everybody, uh, I've got to tell you, I'm hardly watching what I'm doing here because I'm really very interested in everything they say. And I'm going to put Dr. Childress on the spot when we come back and ask her about sushi because I get that question all the time, too. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Happy New Year to you. And I hope that I will see you at my comprehensive course in uh, sunny Orlando in February. If you would like to register, that is at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I would also encourage you to make sure you come to our free webinar on how to become an IBCLC. It's free. There is no obligation, but a lot of people don't get the credential because they just can't figure it out. And we try to make that uh, fairly simple for you. So please do join us there. Uh, Allison, before we went, I promised that I would ask you about sushi. Is it okay for now? We're not talking breast. We're not talking pregnant here. We're talking breastfeeding. Is it okay for a breastfeeding mother to have sushi? Yes. Um, assuming that the, the place you're getting the sushi from is reputable and that you know yep. the origin of the product, that consumption of raw fish most likely does not directly affect your breast milk. Now, if it's not good sushi, if it's not prepared properly, it can make you sick, but it will not affect your breast milk at all. One thing you do want to be careful of is um, if you are breastfeeding, to still avoid fish that's high in mercury. So if you're eating a sushi oh, right. that's high sure. in mercury, and, and most of the time those are not sushi fishes. Those are things like mackerel, shark, swordfish that we don't see right. in sushi often. Right. 
I, I would I would agree. And I, I also tell people um, I wouldn't use it from a street vendor or something like that. But if it's right. a place that you have eaten before and never had a problem and it's uh, reputable, so, so good. I'm telling them the right thing. I want to talk then about uh, snacks, meals and snacks. So, Allison, from the standpoint of being a dietitian, doctorally prepared, no less, why is it important to include snacks and to uh, snacks? Yes, and also, what do you do about the kid who's eighteen months old and he just doesn't want to bother to eat? What what can you yes. address for both of those things? So I think the first thing to remember is that, you know, little kiddos' tummies are small, and so it's important that they eat often, and and most of the time more often than we would eat as adults. And I also think that it's important to, whenever it's time for a child to eat, that that is a dedicated time for eating. I think so many times Mm. we'll give a child a snack Mm. and let them walk around with it, and they don't, they, they... they start to lose that ability to uh, recognize their own hunger cues and their own satiety cues. So I think having a sit-down designated time, and then also with the kiddos, it's hard to get them to eat for you, the parent, to sit down with them. And, you know, maybe Mm. maybe it's not time for you to have a snack, but maybe you could enjoy a beverage or just talk with the child um, while they're they're eating. I I would totally agree. Anything that... uh, well, Aurora, maybe here's one for you. Anything that I'd you would... I'd actually love to jump onto that one. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, as a New York City mom, I think that snacks on the move are also really important. I mean, really for any mom, you're going to be shuttling between school, work, practice, and things. So sometimes meals happen on the run. Doesn't mean they don't have to be nutritious or that they just have to be processed. Um, there are resealable, reusable pouches. You can make your own smoothies, bring them with you. That's a great way of getting vegetables on the go, especially for a reluctant child. Um, even into the toddler years, even though it's a pouch, it doesn't mean it can't be packed full of nutrition. Um, there's also like if you keep a snack um, pack with you, and it can be of like less messy things where say it's like some carrots to crunch on or some cucumber as well. You can have some cheese and um, cut fully cooked meat in there as protein or nuts as snacks as well. Um, But not letting your kids snack throughout the day so that it's substituting a meal. Um, So that basically snacks are snacks and meals happen at meal times and meals really are like sit down meals. And it is true. We're social eaters. If they Mm -hmm. see you eating with them and you're eating the same foods with them, not only are they going to be watching and learning that, um, sport control and use of utensils and like proper eating (laughs) and how to, you know, really sit down and have a little bit of manners at the table. They're also watching you eat the same things. And even if they're not quite ready to try those things, they see you eating them, which is enforcing that healthy eating right from the get-go. Sometimes my son will want to, you know, touch or smell something, but he won't be ready to eat it yet. But to me, that's still a win because he's getting closer. He's getting closer and closer and circling around it. Well, if we take this out of the context of food, uh, I think all three of us adults that are talking right now would agree that there are some things that, you know, we kind of want to scope it out a little bit more before we actually do the whatever, whether it's food or whatever it is. So let me ask you this, either one of you, I am a reasonably competent cook, meaning I don't buy boxed food. I make my own stuff 
pretty much from scratch most of the time. However, I did not go to the Culinary Institute of America. I I can't do anything fancy. So um, what level of cook do you need to be in order to use this book, The Ultimate New Mom's Cookbook? Okay, I'd love to answer this one. So I just got wonderful feedback. Um, The book was gifted to a friend of mine, and she said that, you know, she doesn't buy cookbooks. She's daunted by um, recipe sites because she just doesn't really feel like it's ever at her level, and she feels Ah. almost like it's talking down to her Uh or it's intimidating. She said she found this cookbook completely accessible. That's Uh one of the things that was really, really important um, when we created this cookbook that Anyone can pick this up anywhere around the world, and it's not too boring for someone who's a little bit more advanced in the kitchen. You know, there's good flavor profiles and good technique here, but it's not daunting for someone who isn't as experienced in the kitchen. It's basically the goal is if you're a parent and you're already so busy, if you're going to set the time down to make a good nutritious meal, that it's going to be worth it in the end. And also all the meals are... 30 minutes or less for the most part oh, of, I love active, it. of active cooking time. Like there's some things okay. that you set it, forget it in the oven, right. but active time that you're like on a stove top or working on it. It's active time is small because that's all you got. Sure. <laughs> all right. So let me flip this over to the other end, which is, this is what my husband says about me. He says, my wife considers a recipe, just a set of suggestions. And I think that's that's probably true. I get frustrated with a recipe that has all of these really like 24 ingredients and I've only got four or five of them in my pantry. And I really don't want to go out to, the, I live in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Going to um, the grocery store is really kind of a pain in the butt. So are, do they use ingredients that are that most people would have around most of the time? Yes, the cookbook, um, it's everything you can stock from a standard grocery store. Okay. Um, and if there is something that seems a little bit more out there, um, like sometimes I have like tahini or something in a recipe, I don't think that's that hard to find. That's but not that hard. Yeah. yeah, it's not that hard to find. But there's also, um, we tried to include substitutions. And there's also an entire section for how you can build a good pantry so it's well stocked so you don't have oh, to nice. go out. That's actually oh, nice. in preparing for baby. Because if you have a good stocked pantry, a lot of the times there's some recipes that you can build completely from there without having to, you know, really rush to the store. You have a meal that you can make from the components that you have. Okay, so it helps people to plan ahead. And here's my other question. Do you have any make-ahead meals in there? Yes. Oh, good. Pairing for baby, there's freezer meals, there's pantry, um, there's a granola that's really cost affordable is bought from bulk ingredients. Um, it's like no time to make it's 20 minutes to make it and it lasts for weeks. Um, there's also, um, yeah, freezer meals. We have, um, make ahead meals. Um, just because really your parent, you have to do that. You have to do that. There's base sauces. Like, um, we have a call the freeze by the batch tomato sauce. A great one that we have is also a make ahead pancake mix. Ah, which is is funny because I mean it's it's one of those silly things but pancake mix doesn't take that long to make but if you're making like a really good one sometimes it's nice to just add your wet ingredients if you're tired and you're trying to do a treat on the weekend (laughs) I would totally agree yeah I'm thinking to myself uh those are just some things that I've discovered for myself and that's just because I 
work full time. I probably work 70 hours a week. And, you know, if I've got some time ahead, yeah, I just kind of want to get my act together. And before we go, uh, I think there was just one other question that I wanted to ask before we, we go. And that is, how do you determine portion size for your kids? Um, as a dietitian, I can kind of tell you what our rule of thumb is, and that, that rule typically is about one tablespoon of food per age of the child. So if your kiddo is two years old, then they need two tablespoons of, of meat, two tablespoons of vegetables, two tablespoons of fruit, two tablespoons of yogurt. So those are that just is just kind of a starting point. You know, I think that we get very overwhelmed on trying to decide, is this too much for my child? Is this not enough for my child? And that's just kind of a really good bullseye for people to to sort of start at as far as portion size goes. Oh, I would. I think that is. Uh, I've never heard that, but that totally makes a lot of sense. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I will be right back with Dr. Childress and with Chef Sattler in just one minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with co-authors, Sattler and Childress, their book is The Ultimate New Mom's Cookbook, a complete food and nutrition resource for expectant mothers, babies, and toddlers. Okay, for either one of you, I want to talk about babies who are selective eaters. They like this, but really not that. Um, What would you do about those babies? Aurora, do you want to address this one first? Oh, sure. Sorry. I was leaving leaving it to you. So that was such a good question, and it was one that um, we put in the book. It's um, Selective is such a good word because I use picky for my kids, and Allison (laughs) had to re-educate me on that one. Um, I think there's just a lot of different things. You don't want to force food. You don't want to make a meal unenjoyable for a child. You don't want them to, like, dread coming to the table. I think one of the big things we said is there's always, you always offer something that's a favorite food at a mealtime so that every time they come to the table, they see something on their plate or something on their tray that entices them that they want to start eating. Because a lot of the time it's beginning that meal and then you can be a little bit more adventurous later. Um, Eating together, eating together as a family is so important. Yes. Um, I think it's also really important timing. That's why a lot of these uh, recipes, you can make them quickly. You can make them in advance because I think it's hard. Um, kids get hungry and when they're hungry, they're hungry. So um, having foods prepared for them in advance, having um, a good bank of recipes to choose from so that when they're hungry, they have food to eat instead of when they're hungry, then you begin making a meal. I think that hitting them at the right moment is also a really good way of getting them to you know, expand and be in the best mood to begin a meal. I think one of our favorite tricks that we did was was what we call preloading or front loading. And Mm -hmm. so this is a a great way to get kiddos to try new food. So, you know, when you're, when you've got the spoon for baby or for the, for toddler, you preload that spoon on the front with something that they like. And on the back, you maybe put something, a new food or something that you're trying to get them to try. Because a lot of times when we can mix the two together, um, it becomes more palatable and it becomes more accepted. So let me understand, you are putting two different foods on one spoon. Right, exactly. Okay. A really good way to say that is, um, I think yogurt is just an absolute winner for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. That's a good front loader. And also applesauce. They're both very simple foods, but they're both, they're pretty universally liked um, for those ones. And sometimes, I mean, just, there can be a reluctance for a kid just starting a meal. Both my kids have that. I mean... And it's just to, like, get them at the table to get them started, you know, to get them to the place where they're willing to, like, try. And I've, I've never heard this thing about the front-loading. I think this mm-hmm. is great. Uh, 
but but you've both mentioned spoons. Let me yes. ask this. Uh, I'm a fan of the idea that sometimes a spoon in and of itself is just not acceptable to a baby. He wants to do it himself or he wants it on a parent's skin because it feels more like a breast, skin equals skin kind of thing. Uh, Do either of you have any comments about non-spoon feeding? Yeah. So I think one that also goes back to baby led weaning, some kids truly like to eat for themselves. They do not want to be fed by a spoon. Um, some kids love it. Um, but if they don't want to be fed by a spoon, you can first try giving them a spoon. They don't have to be doing all the feeding themselves, but sometimes letting them just have a little bit of control, you know, have two spoons, one spoon you're feeding with and one spoon that they're helping with. Both of my Uh kids have enjoyed feeding me as well. So sometimes I'll let them feed me a bite. So they feel like they're participating and part of the process. I think once your child starts to develop teeth and really starts to develop that desire for finger food, always giving a tangible option that they can pick up. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes if they really don't want to eat with a fork or eat with a spoon, you know, you can, you can use just a clean hand and pick a tiny piece off for them and like, and offer that up. Like I offer food from my hand to my kids. Sometimes there are finger foods for adults even too. Sure. And an interesting thing I learned is when I'm eating with my kids, sometimes I will eat something that they haven't tried. And I've learned favorite foods for them because they will steal my food. <laughs> They're close enough. My just daughter. Good thing. Yeah, my people laugh, but I mean, her. She loves pesto. She's a strong flavored uh-huh. um, things, and she just stole it right off a breakfast sandwich that I had. And since then, it became part of her repertoire. That you know, she loves pesto. She loves strong flavors. She wants to try what I'm eating. Um, Mm -hmm. and seeing me eat it in front of her, seeing me eat different foods. Um, both my kids love to feed me salad. It's a funny thing, you know, but they're not going to have a taste for arugula yet. They're still really young, but they get to see it. They get to touch it. And I think that that's also, I mean, it's just getting their hands on it. And that's why a spoon sometimes can feel a little bit removed. Dr. Childress, I've only got about a minute left, but if you could address meat please, for babies who are six months old. I'm aware of the nutritional recommendations for that, but I have parents as well as professionals who say, are you kidding me? Why would this be something you would give your kid who was six months old? Would they like it? How would you do it? Isn't it too spicy? Too... I, I've, I've got nothing but objections. Can you address that, please? Yes, I think most people's concern is, you know, food allergies and things like that because the protein in food is what we're actually allergic to. So I think a lot of people have concern over that. They feel like it may be hard for baby to digest, et cetera. However, if it's prepared well, I mean, if, if all of proper food safety has, um, all those precautions have been taken, it's a very healthful food. You know, babies need protein. And as they take in less and less breast milk, they need more and more protein from their food. And we know that meat sources are the best uh, source of high-quality protein. Uh, I, I would totally, totally agree. Well, this has been a really interesting hour. I have been here today with co-authors uh, Sattler and Childress. 
Their book is The Ultimate New Mom's Cookbook, a complete food and nutrition resource for expectant mothers, babies, and parents. I will feature that on my own website. My website is mariebiancuto.com. I'll spell that for you. It's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O. Yeah, I know it's a mouthful, but... (laughs) I inherited it, you know, Uh, and I would also assume, I know that you can get it from Amazon.com. The last that I looked, the reviews were absolutely stellar for this book. I will admit this is one of the few times when I have not actually read the book myself, but I think that all of you should be very confident that it's uh, clearly done by two real experts and the... uh, the tips that they have given you today, I think, really prove how they're totally, uh, totally qualified to write this book. So anyway, Allison, Aurora, thank you so much for being with us today on Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much. It was great. I'm so glad. And I would like to thank all of you for joining us. Without you, we really just don't have a show. So thank you for all of you who are here throughout the globe, hoping that you are having a happy new year. And I would also like to say, if you enjoy this podcast, please spread the word. You already know how important it is to rate and review and share. So if you think other people would enjoy the show as much as you do, please consider taking just a couple of minutes to give us a rating and review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. Remember that we are offering a discount to all military families. For information, go to mariebiancuto.com. And finally, remember that I would like to see all of you in person. If you have had even the remotest idea interest in becoming an international board certified lactation consultant, please sign up for one of our free webinars. That's at breastfeedingoutlook.com. And also, I would say to you, remember that we've got some interesting handouts and other fun things for you at our other website, mariebiancuto.com. And there you will find my blog where I'll have something to say about this show as well as all of the previous shows. But at any rate, thanks to our guests for being here. And meanwhile, I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next week and each week. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.